you look around, you wonder where everybody went. If you see somebody coming in at the very end, just be nice, welcome them. So you really missed a good service today. <laughs> and it's spring break. So um, kind of a perfect storm. While we're passing these plates and giving to the Lord, you might want to find Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And in a moment, we'll put in at verse 10. While we're finishing, if you saw the movie Forrest Gump, you probably saw him in that one scene where he's sitting on a park bench and he's talking to this nurse. And he looks down at her shoes and he says, uh, my mama said you can tell a lot about a person by their shoes, where they're going, where they've been. That's true. Have you noticed how many women and men have an obsession with shoes? You notice that? How many shoes do you have in your closet? Different kinds of shoes. Uh, shoes have a, shoes are symbolic of more than just something we put on our feet, if you think about it. Think of Dorothy's uh, red slippers, Wizard of Oz. Or think of Cinderella's uh, gold slippers. Shoes mean something. Um, we write, uh, there's a lot in the scripture about uh, shoes. When God addressed Moses in the desert, he said, take your shoes off. When he addressed Joshua at the very border of the promised land, he said, take your shoes off. And when Jesus encountered Saul on the road to Damascus, he said, take your shoes off. Well, today we're going to read Paul say, push your shoes back on. So Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Now, CJ, several weeks ago, talked to us about that. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, that was last week. And today, as shoes for your feet, a special kind of shoes, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, gospel shoes, peace shoes, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all of the saints. Now, we believe when Paul wrote this, he was a prisoner chained to a Roman guard, and he got into a conversation perhaps with the guard about his armor, trying to learn what each piece of armor did. And those pieces of physical armor, Paul uses as pictures, word pictures, of some spiritual resources that God has given to us, some benefits that God has given that many times we don't use at all. Historians tell us that uh, battles were often won and lost in history. As John was mentioned, mentioning, I thought about this, because people didn't have the right shoes on. 
For example, Alexander the Great conquered the entire known world because he had 35,000 soldiers who could move very quickly, go to a place where the, their, their enemy was not ready because they wore good shoes. They were able to move quickly. In the Civil War, many of the soldiers on the, on the, south, on the, on the side of the south went into battle barefoot. Now you tell me, one army goes into battle with boots on, the other barefoot. Who has the advantage? Stu Weber, veteran from Vietnam, said more soldiers in the Vietnam conflict were immobilized, not by bullets, but by foot problems. Because of what, in fact, he says, platoon sergeants were often known as foot care specialists. And they would say things like this, change your socks, boys, take your boots off, dry your feet, powder them. The army wouldn't wish you, it would not issue powder to you if you didn't need it. Shoes were, were, were critical. So Roman soldiers had great footwear. It was kind of a half boot, half sandal, and the sole of it had spikes sticking out, kind of like football cleats or baseball cleats. They were, they were hobnobs, uh, nails, many of them sticking out of the bottom, which enabled them to dig in in battle with their slippery mud, and their opponent is slipping and sliding. He can, he can, he can stand firm. He can pivot, but they also provided the ability to move very quickly. And Paul says, what those Roman shoes do, those boots do, the gospel does for us. The gospel of peace enables us to dig in, to stand firm. In fact, he mentions that four different times, stand firm against the things that life throws at us and against the things that our enemy, spiritual enemy, throws in against us. You cannot stand firm without a peace that comes from the finished work of Jesus. So those shoes enable, the gospel enables us to stand firm, and he says the gospel equips us to go, to move to advance. In fact, the gospel will take us to places where there's conflict and unrest because the gospel has this unique ability to create peace where there's conflict. So think about, think about those Roman shoes for a moment. They had to do three things. They had to provide traction. That's what those cleats were for, those knobs at the, at the bottom. So a soldier would not slip because if a soldier slips in battle, he could be... He could be um, hurt severely, it could be killed. So they provide firm footing, and they provided protection. In fact, they, the, the scholars tell us, the historical scholars tell us, those shoes had about three-quarters of layer after layer after layer of leather, because often their enemies would put spikes in the ground about an inch above the ground, often hidden by leaves, that if you were walking and didn't have footwear that was provided for that, you'd step on it, you'd be immobilized. But those thick soles protected uh, those soldiers when they wore these boots. Traction, protection, and mobility. They enabled them to, to move very quickly to different places. They had to be light, kind of like my Nikes right here, so they could move quickly. Think of what that says. Think about what that says about the gospel, because Paul is saying what physically those Roman shoes are, the gospel is for us. The gospel gives us traction. The gospel enables us to stand firm, gives us stability, gives us assurance. A person who is at peace is calm, he's at rest, he's stable. That's what God calls us to, and the devil calls us to 
worry and chaos and anxiety. Peace means different things to different people, doesn't it? I wonder what peace means to you. How would you define the word peace? In Ukraine, it's an absence of war and the Russians leaving. For a mother of preschoolers, peace is a nap, right? The Bible uses the word peace 790 times, which means there is a kind of peace for every problem that we face. You name the problem, there's a biblical sense of peace for that. In the Bible, the word for peace means something more than just an absence of conflict or a, um, a ceasing of warfare. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is shalom. You go to Israel today, you pick up a telephone, someone says shalom instead of hello, and when you put the phone down, you say shalom. It's a greeting. The, the, the Greek word in the New Testament is irene. We get our name Irene from this, and both words mean wholeness completeness, uh, harmony, happiness, um, serenity. So the word for peace is a lot more than simply a ceasing of conflict. I want to read to you an email that I received, Ruthie and I received this last week from a very close friend. This is from Gina about Joe. Friends, Joe's diagnosis is in. He has multiple glioblastoma. Now, if you know what that is, a brain tumor that is terminal. While one glioblastoma is sadly not uncommon, multiples are. And more devastating, Joe's has progressed to grade 4 status. This form of brain cancer creates a protective impermeable barrier around it that allows it to feed itself with its own blood supply and thus rapid growth. This blood-brain barrier in its early stages may allow chemical, uh, chemo and radiation to permeate and eradicate it, but as it embeds itself around important vessels and areas of the brain, it's impossible to permeate with radiation or chemo, and removing it could cause a stroke or permanent paralysis. And unlike when cancer grows in the body, the body's able to expand, the skull cannot. This cancer is aggressive, growing about four times faster than, say, lung cancer. And with all of this, our options are limited. Not fighting at all is unbearable to even consider. And while radiation and chemo will not kill it, it may keep it at bay and allow us some time with Joe. Radiation and chemo treatments would not be any different administered in one place as in another. We're so grateful for Dr. Klimo and his ability to take time to teach us about this horrible disease. This has already wreaked havoc in Joe, affecting his balance, his peripheral vision, his bladder control, his speech, his mobility. These disabilities are far too difficult for us to go home and take care of him, which is why we're still waiting for a private room to open at the adjacent rehab hospital where his biopsy scar will need one more week to heal before Radiation can begin, and he can receive intensive therapy with 24-7 care. After a week, we'll return home where we'll receive assistance, transporting him to chemo every day for six consecutive weeks while he continues therapy at home. This is what Joe chose. He wants to fight this, and we support him all the way. With all of this, now listen to this, with all of this seemingly horrific news, let me warm your hearts with the good news, the good stuff. 
Joe is not afraid. In fact, he understands this is the path he is to walk, and he is more at peace with it than you can imagine. His prayers are so full of praise and gratitude, they inspire and convict me at the same time. Now, Gina and Joe have been married only a year or two. How could someone be so grateful for this? I've asked him that very question. His answer is simply that God doesn't see the suffering as we do because he knows the outcome. Joe knows the plans God has for him are far more than those the world has, and he trusts in his Lord and Savior. She ends with this verse. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. How in the world can a man with this terrible disease have peace? Well, he tells us. He says, because he knows the Lord and his Savior and his hope and faith is in the work of Jesus on the cross. And Joe has not always been like this. There was a time when Joe was at war with God just like every other person. That's why God sometimes seems distant to people. That's why sometimes he feels like a million miles away. It is because in our own state, normal, natural state, we are at war with God because of our... You say, well, why would we be at war with God? Because of what the Bible says, our, our sins. You say, well, how can that be? Let me ask you a question. How many sins do you commit a day? Let's say you commit two sins a day. Just two times a day. You don't love God with all your heart. You don't love your neighbor as yourself. You don't get angry. You're not selfish. You would be better than 90% of us if you only committed two sins a day. In a year, that's 740 sins. If you live to be 50 and you don't count the first three years, that's 35,000 sins. How would you like to go before the judge with 35,000 traffic tickets? What do you think he would do? What do you think God will do when you stand before him? But out of his great love for us, he himself decided to take care of the situation and send his son, which is why scripture says in Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified means God declares us righteous because of our faith in Christ. That's what we talked about last week. And he says, peace with God. This is the peace that gives you the power to stand firm under, under pressure. He says this, by faith, peace with God does not come because we're good people. It does not come from being nice. It not, does not come from what we do. It comes because of what Jesus Christ did. If you know anything about anthropology, then you know a lot of religions have what is called a peace offering. Uh, Hindus, uh, the ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans, many Native American tribes, a peace offering that you offer to God for your sins. And the Bible says you don't need to do that. You don't need to make a peace offering to God because God already made his own peace offering for himself by sending his son as a peace offering on the cross, which is why Scripture says if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more, now that we're reconciled, will we be saved by his life? That's why Scripture says in Colossians, through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood 
of his cross. Uh, about four years ago, I did the Camino de Santiago. It's a walk across Spain, 500-mile walk. It took me 29 days. And in the process, I met a lot of people. I met a man by the name of Enrique, who is from um, uh, Uruguay, and we became friends. Enrique grew up Catholic. He kind of left that faith. And one evening, we were after dinner, we were sitting outside in some chairs just in the cool of the evening. And he turned to me and he said, Sam, what is the difference between what you believe and what Catholics believe? I said, well, we kind of believe the same thing, things. One difference is I know I'm going to heaven, and many Catholics do not know that. Enrique turned to me and he said, that would give me a lot of peace to know that. Maybe in spite of the fact you've been in church for many years, you're just not sure what God will say to you when you stand before him. And like I told my friend Enrique, if you trust only in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, you'll have peace with God. The peace with God. That gives you assurance. It helps you stand. And there's such a thing as the peace of God. Peace with God is something external to us, but the peace of God is something internal. It's, a, it's an emotional kind of a peace. And the Scripture says we can have that. That's what God is after for us. Satan cannot touch our peace with God. He cannot take Jesus from us. What he can do is interrupt the peace that we have of God, the peace that God gives, our emotional peace. He tries to nibble away at, at, at that with shame and with guilt and disillusionment, with doubt and with worry. He just knocks us down. Life knocks us down to rob us from the peace with God, and he erects barriers between us and other people. So how do you have the peace of God? Years ago, I memorized Isaiah 26.3, which says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. You can ask God for the peace of God. Philippians 4, in the Living Bible, says, Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God your problems. Thank Him for his, his, his goodness and His answers. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. This is the protection those boots gave. They gave you traction, but they also gave you protection. The gospel of peace makes us tough. Now, the reality is many of us are emotionally fragile. And it doesn't take a whole lot to just tear us up. But the peace of God toughens us. Makes us tough. You know, Roman soldiers could not control the kind of terrain that they walked on. And you and I cannot control the kinds of things that happen in our lives. A control is an illusion. You get a, peace slip at, uh, a pink slip at work you didn't expect. A doctor walks out and says, we've done all that we can do. Some friend in whom you've confided breaks your confidence. You've suffered abuse from someone who you should have been able to trust. And the enemy tries to take advantage of all of those things and rob us peace. The gospel shoes tell us that Jesus is with us and that he is for us. In fact, the night before he died, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let them not be afraid. There's two kinds of peace, the peace of the world and the peace of Jesus, P-O-W and P-O-C, peace of Christ. What kind of world, what kind of peace does the world give? It's fragile. 
doesn't last. Our world would say, find peace in a pill or a friendship or a bottle or in Louis Vuitton purses or entertainment or a relationship. There's a peace of Christ, a peace that Jesus gives that's very, very different. We can't control. We might not like what we're going through, but we can handle it. Peace of Christ. That same night, Jesus said, this is what Job quoted, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. The peace Jesus gives is not the absence of trouble. He says you can count on having trouble. But he says my promise is that even in the middle of trouble there can be peace. This is the kind of peace that Jesus had when he was in the boat in the storm. This was the kind of peace that so unnerved Pilate when Jesus stood before him. In fact, I want to show you a picture of the peace of Christ. This is a lighthouse right off of the coast of France. You can see the kind of turbulence that water uh, has. There's a close-up of the bottom of that lighthouse. That's a man standing there. Kind of a picture of the peace of Christ. It is just crashing all around you. But that lighthouse has stood there for many years, and it is secure because he's protected by the lighthouse. And the peace of Christ gives us a protection, makes us tough. It's Joe's peace. It means you can lose your job without losing your mind. It means there's an assurance that comes when the bills pile up. There's hope in failing health, and you can ask the Lord for it. There's a third thing that those shoes did. They not only provided traction, which gave uh, assurance, they not only provided protection, which kind of made people able to handle things, those little spikes stick up, they make us tough. There's a third thing those shoes did, and they gave mobility. They enabled you to move fast, to advance. They make us agents, agents of peace, what Kirk, Dirk prayed for a few moments ago. You remember what Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers they will be called children of God. The mark of a child of God is a peacemaker. In fact, 1 Peter 3.11 says, Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Track it down. Be intentional. Everything in your power, do it to make peace. With friends, with family members, with extended family in our neighborhoods, our city, workplaces, entire world, make it a priority of your life to be filled with the peace of Christ so that you can be a peacemaker. You know what I found in 40 year, 48 years of marriage? Better get that one right. I found that when I am not walking with Jesus, my marriage suffers. When I'm out of whack with Jesus, I'm out of whack in my marriage, and I'm really cranky. But the closer I get to Jesus, and the closer I get, and the closer my wife gets to Jesus, what happens? The closer we become to each other. And I become a peacemaker, even in my home. We have to have peace with God, which enables us to have the peace of God with myself. And when I'm at peace with me, I can be at peace with you. I've wondered. Where did Paul get this, this whole idea of, of the shoes of peace and how did he put peace along with those shoes? And I think as he looked at those Roman boots, a verse came to his mind from the Old Testament, from Isaiah 52. 
How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Let's be people who remind the folks around us, our God reigns. He's in full control of all things. And let's be people who publish and who announce and who make peace. Let's go to the hardest places in the world where there is not peace because we have peace with God and we have the peace of God. Let's be people who go to the the places where people do not know the name of Jesus. Two billion people in the world among 7,000 people groups who have little or no access to the gospel. Two billion people who do not have access to the name of Christ. Let's go to them. And they're all in hard places. Yemen and Afghanistan, Syria, Saudi Arabia, Sudan. But as a church, let's pray for there will be those from us who will go and publish peace and announce there is a God who reigns, who is good and kind and loving and strong and holy. That's what makes our feet beautiful. And let's make peace with people around us. You know, there was no conflict as strong in history as the conflict between Jews and Gentiles. The Gentiles overran the Holy Land. They treated Jews with contempt. They treated the Jews' religion with contempt. Uh, They made fun of Jews everywhere. And Jews returned the favor. Hostility toward Gentiles. In fact, a Jew would not let the shadow of a Gentile fall over him because it would make him ritually unclean. They hated one another. It's hostility. In cities, they built walls, like in Ephesus. They built walls between where the Jews lived and where everybody else lived. And then Jesus came. Listen to Ephesians 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace who has made us both one and broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. What set the Jews apart was Moses' law. Their relationship to God was through keeping the law. And then Jesus came and said, Jews are sinful people, Gentiles are sinful people, and I came for both. And what unites people is Jesus himself, the gospel, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. So I just want to ask the question, are you still angry with someone? Is there there a relationship in your life that just continues to fester? The peace of God in you can bridge the gap and bring healing and reconciliation or at least make every attempt to that. And when it does, you put Satan in his place and you cause people around you to sit up and take notice because we're peacemakers. I want you to hear the story of someone who found the peace of Christ through someone who cared to go. So Oscar Oscar Rodriguez teaches at Laterno, I believe. And uh, he shared with me his story. And I want you to hear something of his story. 
Good morning. Romans 1.16 says, And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And I am a recipient of that gospel. I want to thank you this morning for being a missionary church, for believing in missions, for investing in missions. I'm going to briefly share my testimony as the other side of missions. It's wonderful that we have missionaries. I was delighted to hear them talk a couple of weeks ago. And we had a little chat with Pastor Sam. And he asked me, have you shared your testimony here? I said, I have shared it someone else, but not in here. So thank you once again for doing what you do as a missionary church. I believe my wife Margie and myself are not here on accident. There's many churches here in town. And, and we feel the connection here in this church. How do I start? I have a couple of books that I've published on the transformation power of the gospel of Jesus Christ in my own life. But I can tell you one thing. This gospel of peace is more powerful than you can think of. It has the ability to transform a person, a community, and a nation. And I have lived that throughout these past four decades. During the years of the Cold War, many of you probably remember those years, uh, in Central and South America, we have a lot of trouble. And there were those ambassadors of peace that came to the region of Central America. I was uh, brought up in a very broken home, in a very poor situation. Uh, all I had was despair, lack, and blindness and trouble. And when I was seven years of age, my mother did the right thing. She gave me birth, and she gave me away to another family uh, to be a, a little helper in a little farm. And right in the midst of that, I met another relative who were Christians and pastors who connected me with some missionary couples in the mountains of Honduras. There were many names th that I uh, could uh, tell you about. There were some close ones, Paul Packer, Ned Manstingwick, uh, Paul and Beta, uh, Bob and Kay Olson, and many other missionaries that were in Honduras with one single purpose in mind, and that was to share this powerful gospel you've been talking about. And the message to me was very simple and yet transformative. They told me, Oscar, God loves you and he's got a plan for your life. There was no plan for my life. There was no love in my life. In fact, what I Lord, now is that there was a plan to destroy my life. The gospel came to me as a teenager, and I embraced that idea because I knew that I needed something that would transform my life forever. And I took that in a radical way because that's the only way that the gospel can change our lives. We're radicals. And here's a, a little boy from a village that no one knows where it is in the map today because of that faithfulness to the promises and the power of God. There's been a lot of things that happened in those four decades. But for sure, this love and power of God can transform people. And again, I want to thank you for you being a part of that. I think it's great that we can pastor ourselves. Pastor Sam, thank you for encouraging us and challenging us. But our real work is beyond these four walls. We know that. The world is in need. Just like little Oscar was there lost. There's probably millions of those who the Lord wants to bring them hope. He wants to give them the promises of God. And he wants to be able to change their lives so they can go likewise and change other lives. I'll give you a couple of highlights in my life. And I say this in humility. 
while I was going uh, to that uh, boarding school, uh, supported by missionaries, I was brought in, the, in their homes to learn the language and their culture. For whatever reason, I had that enthusiasm and desire to learn the language. And at night, the Lord will speak to me. And he will tell me things such as, learn this language so that I can use you in the future. Um, he will tell me, one day you'll go to America. I only knew uh, the history of America uh, to get educated. And that took many years uh, for me to believe. But in learning the language, I was um, 25 years later in the country of El Salvador. Uh, one of the things that I do today is help ministry with interpretation um, of you know, crusades and evangelistic outreaches. And I was before the largest audience that I've ever seen in my lifetime. About 200,000 people gathered that night to receive the gospel of Christ. And the place was charged with God's energy. And I asked the Lord, why is it, Lord, that I have the privilege today to be able to be the voice of God, uh, who this man is going to be delivering the message. And the Lord reminded me 25 years back and said, Oscar, that was the reason I brought you to that place. That's why I asked you to prepare in this. So I'm saying that because God has probably spoken to your life many things that have not come to pass. I want you to embrace those dreams and those ideas. And I want you to still keep them and, and consider that God has not delayed his promises. Some may think that he has. He still has fun with your life. And I think it's not a matter of age. It doesn't matter what our age is. God still has planned with our lives. And so I have been able to uh, be an obedient servant, uh, to do my word, to share the gospel, to share my testimony with other people that need uh, hope in their lives. And today I have the honor and privilege to be before you. Again, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, for doing what you have done. And I encourage you to continue to do mission work. It's such an important part of the work. The gospel of peace is the only thing that can change nations. Um, another highlight, um, how my dream came through about coming to America. Uh, you talk about peace. Uh, Congress and the people in the United States um, created a program during the years of the Cold War called Central American Peace Scholarships. And the idea was to identify young leaders from the countries of Central America. And the Lord selected me in that group. And I was able to come to the States um, as a peacemaker. Uh, and be able to bring back my education so that I can contribute to bring a little peace and stability in the country of Honduras. So yes, this, this gospel of peace can bring peace to our lives. And our people uh, improve as a consequence of many of us being educated and trained, went back to the country, helped, serve, and now we're here uh, serving our people, serving the Lord. Thank you once again for doing what you're doing. And don't stop doing it, no matter what your age is, I think it's time to move on and do more. Uh, I was impressed during the week of uh, prayer, uh, Pastor, the 21 days of prayer, with the scripture of Isaiah 43, 9, 19, which says, Behold, I do a new thing. And I think this is for us. The Lord is willing and able to do something new. And we got to be able to open our eyes to what new Lord that you want us to do. And for sure, he wants us to double efforts into reaching out to the lost people. So thank you so much for the opportunity. I believe Oscar is a preacher, and he knows the peace of Christ. Aren't you tired of, aren't you tired of living without peace? Or you say, no, I'd really like another year of misery. I just really, that sounds good to me. How do you get peace? How do you get the peace of Christ? How do you get the peace with God? Take off your shoes, for one thing. It's like God, the Lord told 
Moses told Joshua. What does that mean? It means you acknowledge you're not God. You stand before him, ask him to cleanse you. You acknowledge that he is the only hope of peace and a new life. You take off your shoes. And then you get at the feet of Jesus like Mary did. Remember that story? And she learned from him. And you get into God's word and let it speak to you. You let Jesus wash your feet. It might mean that you shake the dust off your feet. That you say, that I've had enough of that. I'm not going to continue the conflict. I'm not going to continue this. You shake the dust off. And then you put your shoes back on. I say, Lord, here am I. Use me in whatever way you can use a saved sinner like me. I'm available. Just open the door and I'll go through. Just like what Oscar said. Would you bow your head in prayer with me, please? Maybe there's someone here who simply says, I, I, I'm kind of like your friend Enrique. I, it would give me a lot of peace to have that assurance. And you tell Jesus right now, you are my only hope of salvation. Forgive my sins. Come into my life. Make me your child. And maybe there's a lack of peace in your life because of anxiety or worry or conflict or whatever. Ask him for it. I can't produce it in my own strength, Lord, but you can. I pray for peace. I tell you my problems. I'm going to thank you for your answers. Your peace will guard my heart. And maybe there is a running conflict with someone, and today you need to say, enough is enough. I'm going to be a peacemaker. I'm going to seek peace and pursue it. So, Lord, help me with that. Give me the words to say. Lord, we pray that you would make us as a church so filled with peace of God, knowing our sins are forgiven forever, and you could not love us more. And no matter what we do, you could not love us more. You will not love us less. Help us to live under that righteousness, and help us to be peacemakers. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, so if you would stand to your feet.